Recently, I did a deep dive Amazon keyword research project. Naturally, I reached for my trusty Amazon keyword research tool, Magnet. Magnet is just one of 20 tools in Helium 10, an all-in-one software toolkit to help sellers start, build and grow a business on Amazon. Helium 10 has served over a million users worldwide and tracks over 2 billion products on Amazon. You get all the main tools you need to run the keyword research and listing in one place, so you don't have to pay for different software. Magnet in particular is a great tool for finding great keywords to target for your next product. So whether you're just getting started or you're several years into selling on Amazon, Helium 10 is a must-have tool for your business. You'll get 50% off your first month of Helium 10 Platinum when you go to helium10.com and use the code AMAZINGFBA when you check out. Once again, just go to helium10.com and use the code AMAZINGFBA for 50% off your first month. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome to the 10K Collective podcast, uh, a sub podcast of the amazing FBA family for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers or those aspiring to get there today. I'm delighted to welcome a seven figure seller who's ripping up through the ranks at a great speed, a wonderful entrepreneur, and that is Jason Frasioza. So Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and pleasure. So we found each other on the sort of Facebook groups, which is unusual. So you're actually one of those people that didn't reach out to me with an agency saying, hi, I want to tell you my story. I kind of begged you to come on and tell the story because I'm very interested in getting a sort of line to actually get from the horse's mouth of people who are really, you know, on the front line of uh, growing their own businesses. And uh, you're a co-founder of Element 26, which is a sporting goods brand focused on helping functional fitness athletes destroy their PRs. I guess PR is not, you're not getting after your PR person. You mean personal, personal bests, right? Is that, is that what that means? Yeah. Uh, no, not their body. Either. Yeah. And, and functional fitness, I'm guessing, and I'm saying this, not you, if the lawyers are listening, <laughs> is basically CrossFit. Is that right? Yes. Uh, CrossFit is our target market. Amazing. So you got a fairly already, I'm saying that you've got a fairly obsessive, intense type of consumer. So that, that can obviously work really well. Of course, if it goes badly, it could, could really backfire against you, but that's certainly a, an interesting choice. So we've got a few things to cover today, but I'd love to hear about your thoughts about mindset, not from the point of somebody who's just posting a nice little quote on Facebook, but for somebody who's actually, you know, had to deal with a massive peaks and troughs over the last sort of 18 months. And the first thing I guess we should talk about is just to tell me a little bit about your brand and, and how did you get started and why? Sure. So I'm going to go back a little bit prior to that because it'll all tie together. So originally from Massachusetts, graduated mass, went in the military as an officer, spent four years there. When I got out of the military, I was planning to go corporate America, work selling pharmaceutical drugs and stuff like that. I got offered a position, very well-paying job the whole nine yards. About a month before I actually took the job, because they're looking for a position to open up for me to be, be placed in, I met a guy who said, hey, let's move to Colombia, South America, so Bogota, Colombia, and start a drone company. And I was like, okay, that sounds better than sitting behind a desk for the next 30 years, so why don't I give it a try? Moved on there, that was my first kind of tippy toes into entrepreneurship. It didn't go as well as planned. So the, we did a lot of government contracts and yeah, working in South America is a huge culture shift, especially coming from the military. So it was a lot of lessons learned and challenges and everything, but great experience, met my incredible wife and learned another language. Got to spend you know, a couple of years down in a totally different country that I'd never experienced. 
when that kind of failed, uh, a buddy of mine from the military was going into MIT's graduate program for his MBA, and he wanted to go through some of the business incubators. So one was Stanford Ignite out of Stanford, and then we did MIT Fuse as well once he got to MIT. And that was the drone software company that we had built. Um, so that was my second attempt at entrepreneurship, and that ended up failing as well. So at this point, a lot of my savings were gone. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to just get a job. You know, all the stuff money I had saved up for me in the military and, and investing, everything was pretty, pretty well depleted. And literally the last $2,500 I made was a random contract to go help someone with drone stuff in, in South America. I used to buy Ryan Moran's Brand Builder Bootcamp. At the time, he had like a, a whole funnel for training and everything. I was like, hey, this sounds like something I could do. So that kind of is what got me started in e-commerce was just, a random Facebook ad from Ryan Moran, him preaching, you know, 12 months to a million and all this other stuff. So, so I started brainstorming, like, what do I want to do? What is the brand that I want to build? And I've always been into fitness and, and working out, mixed martial arts and lifting. And my best friend from college, we were roommates for three years, he graduated with his, his DPT, his doctor of physical therapy, and he had been a professional power lifter and you know, really into fitness. So I was like, this is easy. This is perfect. We'll launch something in the fitness space, original, right? I feel like that's what everybody does, right? So we started brainstorming like products and we wanted to focus on people that were like us. Now at the time we didn't do functional fitness. We were not CrossFitters, we were not you know, into that realm. We were just into general lifting or more powerlifting. So we launched, we got started by basically looking at the equipment that we were using and figuring out you know, what was the problems. Uh, you do that through all the traditional methods, looking at negative reviews on existing products and looking at the own gear that we've been using the whole nine yards figured out we wanted to launch weightlifting belt that's when we came out with our what we call the self-locking weightlifting belt because the problem we we're solving was velcro fails over time and then it's no longer useful like if for a velcro belt there's leather belts and in non-leather belts just like nylons and cloths and stuff so yeah we noticed that there was a problem we didn't we only saw one other belt at the time that had a solution to it which was a belt called chic but it was a totally different design very niche and focused on the the bodybuilding world. So they used a slide lock to solve that problem. And we decided to redesign the belt and use that same slide lock on our belt. Come to find out like about three months after we launched, we realized there was another company that had done this as well. But fortunately they were not on Amazon. So we launched and it's been straight up since. What happened once we got out there, once we started selling, is we started getting feedback from our customers. And we noticed a huge trend that almost all of our customers who were excited about this product, they're reaching out to us and saying, hey, I love this thing. It's really making a difference. We're CrossFit athletes. So that's when we said, okay, well, you know, we're in the fitness space. We're very general. We need to focus down so that we can serve a person so that we can figure out who that person is and what they need and talk to them and solve their problems and, and really bring them along the journey. So that's when we decided to focus 100% on CrossFit um, or functional fitness or whatever you want to call it and double down on that. And then it's just been very, very pretty much straight up since. We've had our rough patches, of course, with, especially with COVID and everything else, but I mean, we're, we're for next month, we'll be four years in and this month, this year, we're on track to do about 4 million in sales. Nice. Yeah. Cause I know that it wasn't that long ago that you, you crossed the 1 million uh, a year threshold or, you know, the sort of run rate, age 3000 a year, uh, a month, I should say. Interesting. So just a couple of reflections. I mean, first of all, you'd had your two failed businesses initially. I mean, maybe that's a harsh word, but th I guess they didn't work. <laughs> they didn't make money. So the... Other thing that strikes me is a couple of things. I mean, first of all, yes, the fitness space is something everyone goes into, but I guess they go into it from an external understanding of this looks like an opportunity rather than it was something you personally did. And what strikes me as well, 
And tell me, what, how important do you think it was that, that you had a business partner or a person involved in the business who was really very expert in that area? Do you think that's been part of the success or was that just a kind of coincidence? Absolutely. So being completely honest, the reason initially was almost imposter syndrome. So I'm like, why would somebody buy from me if I'm not an expert, I don't have any expertise. And it just made sense. I'm like, you know, this is one of my best friends my whole life, or really since college. He is an expert. Like, there's very few people in the world that has his level of expertise. Um, so I was like, he didn't have a following. He wasn't an influencer like that. But to me, it just made sense to give some authority and legitimacy behind the brand. And even the the brand name, Element 26, which it, the 26th element is iron. So that's kind of the play on, on that brand name right there. But it was a curtailed to that scientific slash methodological aspect of fitness. And the reason it was there is because his background comes from that, having a doctor of physical therapy and being so well-versed in the science of it and, and really understanding the foundation, the fundamentals. And that was, in my mind at the time, kind of a differentiating factor of us versus the 8 million other fitness people <laughs> out there. By the way, I, I'm ashamed of myself. I'm such a nerd that I have um, behind me here one of my favorite things, which is the periodic table of the elements. And I hadn't made the connection. Element26.co. I was sending an email earlier like to you, just element26.co. And I'm like, element26, strange name. Duh, iron, the iron game. I, it makes total sense now. I like that little sort of... I can't believe that I missed it. It chose to show that I'm such a non-athlete. You know, we were talking before the show that I do half marathons and the word half kind of shows my relationship to fitness. It's kind of a little bit come, you know, come and go, not like the CrossFit guys who are a bit, you know, insanely committed. But that's very, very interesting. I mean, I think you've put a really finger on a very important thing, which he was a legit expert, as in he got an actual certificate from proper scientific institution not something you give out with your box of cornflakes or you hadn't called himself an expert as an influencer there's such a difference i think people forget actually knowing what you're talking about at a deep level actually makes a difference to people who are intense about an ever right so that i really like that hint okay so you say it's been kind of fairly plain sailing when let's let's talk about the the scaling up obviously you had a, a very good start you identified your customer avatar from who was actually out there, which is very interesting as well. So what would you say has been behind you going from starting four years ago with, as you admitted yourself, not a massively original idea, but executed with a lot more intensity and you had your, your killer, you know, advantage with your friend with a proper qualification. How come you've got to 4 million and other people haven't? What would you ascribe the the bigger picture? What would you describe the the from a 30,000 foot view, the elements that you put in place? Yeah, so I think... To be completely honest, the reason that we were successful and many of our competitors, even people who launched the same product as us, as a weightlifting belt at the same time as us, because there were some people who did that and I was friends with them, you know, but they ended up not being successful was because we didn't try and copy anybody else. So when we launched our product, we had the first version of our weightlifting belt on Amazon. Now there's only copycats, but none of them can replicate our success because they're trying to copy us. And if you're just trying to copy the, the, the top guy and just white label it, it's very difficult to convince someone to buy that versus just buying the original. So then you get, if you're doing that, you're playing the price game. It, and you're just playing a never ending battle to the bottom because someone can always come out with a cheaper version of what you have. Versus if you are the first to do it, or as long as you're not trying to trailblaze a completely new market, that's very difficult to do and you need a very large marketing budget to do that. But if you have some sort of true difference with the product that you're selling, some sort of true difference with the brand that you're, that you're promoting and really give the customer a reason to purchase your product versus your competitor. 
there's really no better way to get started, and that's what kind of helps our initial success. Follow-on products don't need to be as crazily differentiated because you have a customer base and you have a loyal fan base, and at that point, you're just serving them what they need. But to get started and to really be successful and get your foot in the door and break into a new market, if you have no new reason for someone to switch from the brand they're already loyal to, that was hugely successful. So just um, on that point then, so your, to your point, follow-on products don't have to be so different because you have... Uh, a loyal customer base well that makes sense in theory but on amazon obviously famously they're amazon's customers and it gets harder and harder and harder every month almost to contact them whether it's through internal messaging or even downloading their address lists and so forth so how did that theoretically totally understandable point you just made how did that show up in the amazon world well same thing so once you have a lot again once you have an audience or you have traffic or you have some sort of way to direct sales and viewership then it makes it much easier to be competitive in highly competitive spaces without having that specific differentiation and to be fair all of our products have some sort of differentiation we don't launch straight white little products of anything I'm trying to think the only thing that is fairly close the least amount of differentiation would be our tape but even that does have some differentiation it's just very hard to explain because it's the adhesive we use is very is a little bit different than everyone else but launching new products is much easier if you have an audience you have email lists, you have a loyal fan base, you know, and that's what we've been able to double down on. So it really comes down to building the true brand and not just saying, oh, I have a brand and I paid an influencer to post about me, but truly being like recognizing your space. Like this summer has been incredible because there's a lot of uh, major crossword competitions happening. We're seeing our gear used on the top stages in the world. And then our customers see that and like, oh, wow, you guys have that too. I want that too. Or or they come to us and we get messages all the time like, hey, I saw much your gear at the Granite Games the other day or so much your gear at the, the Midwest Atlantic competition or you know, we're going to be at the CrossFit Games next month. You know, Amazing. There. And, yeah. Um, so that's what really makes it so much easier. None of our competitors on Amazon are really doing that. Um, Great. So you've partly answered my question, which I want to just dig into a bit more because it's such for an Amazon-based seller, such a, a tricky thing that you – building a true band you guys obviously are, are really killing it in that this the, the sort of major platform without inducing legal issues for your uh, brand is you know you're, you're getting used in conjunction with that so they've they, you've kind of got yourself into naturally organically being you know if essentially being using influencers you wouldn't call them influencers necessarily in the narrow sort of world of the internet but tell me a little bit about this loyal fan base, I guess, and audience. Does that mean that you've then had a very off, big off Amazon way of building ways to contact people, email, chatbot sequences, whatever else it is? I mean, you know, YouTube subscribers. What's your kind of off Amazon way of contacting this audience to maximize that? Email all day. So email is huge for us. Chatbots, we track a little bit. Not a fan especially after the, I think it was 2019, March 2019 changes from Facebook. They don't allow you to send broadcast messages to outreach to your your audience. So at that point, it's like, what's the point of having it, right? I get a lot of people like to use their Black Hat tactics with chatbots, but I we don't do Black Hat tactics. I think it's just too high risk, you know, for what? Just to speed up the process a little bit. But you could get to, you know, $10 million a year and then Amazon cracks down on Black Hat stuff and all of a sudden you're out of the business because you you try cheating the system. So email has been great for us. We have a Facebook group, not as large as our email, but very, our hardcore, you know, loyal followers are all in our Facebook group. And then again, just showing up, like going to events in person, like both, all of our team members are avid CrossFitters now. You know, I go, I, this morning, I just got back from CrossFit when you messaged me, you know, so we're there in person, we're going through the journey with them. 
And then it also, like we discussed previously, but it also makes the entire journey much more rewarding and, and exciting. And when you come out with a new product, it's not just, oh, I can't wait to sell this. It's like, I can't wait to use this. You know, we have some products in the works that I'm testing right now and I'm excited. Like, I'm pumped to launch it, not because it's yeah. going to create a lot of sales. Like, they might not, but I don't care because I'm going to use it. <laughs> I, I really love that little phrase. It's very tweetable. I'm not just excited to sell this. I'm excited to use it. That's a great hint as to whether you really care about your brand, I guess. So that's great. So one kind of slightly more tactical question, but I got to ask this because it's so hard uh, for at least I, most of us, by the way, simple but highly effective go to real events and actually be a user of your products. Really <laughs> fantastically simple, but most people don't do that. So that's another great hint there. But Building an email list is not easy. So where are you getting the traffic from and, and how are you convincing people to give your email list? I mean, it's a bit tactical, but I'd like to just dive into that for a sec. Sure. Well, the, the best way to get an email address is a sale. So website sales. So for me, I'll gladly spend either a break even or even lose money on that sale just to get the email list of an actual customer. So a huge mistake that a lot of people, especially Amazon sellers make, because they think an email is an email. And like, oh, if I just get a bunch of emails, people are gonna buy it. No, like just because you have someone's email, doesn't mean they actually wanna hear from you. But if you have a customer, someone that purchased your product, especially on your website, because your website, they're going to the brand. They're going to talk about you or they're going to see you. Because they could be coming from a recommendation from a friend. They could be coming from a recommendation from an article they read. They could be coming from some content that you put out there. Those are gonna be your highest quality emails because they're most likely to purchase from you again. They're most likely to become part of your ecosystem. Getting your customers back from Amazon is huge. At the same time, our Amazon sales is probably maybe 10% of our actual target athlete. So we focus on CrossFit athletes, maybe 10% of our actual Amazon sales is that athlete. And 90% is just people who want a weightlifting belt or they want knee sleeves or they want, you know, whatever gear is gonna be there, right? So Amazon brings a lot of customers. That doesn't mean that's the person that really is truly is going to connect with your brand. They just might really like your product. And that's okay. So like one of the most common mistakes when, when I do coaching that I see with new Amazon sellers or really e-commerce brands in general is this fear that if I focus niche on a specific audience, I'm going to lose all the sales from everybody else. I'm not, I'm a, I'm a CrossFit only brand. I'm not going to get the powerlifter. I'm not going to get the general, the general athlete. I'm not going to get the, you know, the, the, Olympic lifting athlete or whatever. And that's that's not true at all. You're going to get all those because they see the top level people within your space utilizing the gear. And we get a lot of that. And it's not about numbers. It's about quality. So one of the the biggest, the other biggest mistakes I see often with people trying to build email lists is, again, they get obsessed with numbers. Like, oh, I'm able to get 20 cent emails. And, you know, oh, I get, you know, I give a free bottle for an email address of the supplement I'm selling. And that's great, but they're showing up because they want something for free. Uh, giveaways are are probably one of the worst ways to go to email addresses because you're starting the interaction, the relationship that you're building with that customer over a free gift. Do you really think that they're going to come back and start paying for things after they get something for free? No, they want more free stuff. That's how yeah. you set the relationship. A email list of a thousand people that are true brand believers and truly love my stuff and want to pay for my gear over a hundred thousand that just want free crap. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think one of the reasons why Amazon sellers tend to do, as you say, a pretty horrible job of email marketing. Which, by the way, if you're even semi good at email marketing, there's still it's weird how a competitive advantage it is, given that emails like the pr preceded the World Wide Web. It's insane, and yet it's true. Right? I remember, like, I'm so old. I remember being at university back in the day when people were using email. I thought, why would you do that? You know, and lo and behold, it's still a thing. 
is still a thing, even those many years later. And the thing is this, the way you start a relationship is the way it continues, right? As you, you just beautifully express that. And we are geared, I think, to the only lever we can pull on Amazon is reducing price via coupons, via whatever else, and or throw money at the PPC, which has a similar effect on the bottom line, i.e. creators. And, and we're so trained in that by Amazon. You have to just walk away from that, you know, take your fingers off the gun and put it down and go, right, stop spending money and flip that on its head. Capture those who are willing to spend it with you. And that, that's a beautiful thing right there. Thank you for that. So I just wanted to get in a little bit into that because I, obviously it's one thing to say building an audience and the concrete form of it, email list like that a lot. Now, coming back then to this brand building, um, obviously again this is like the after picture now like the fat guy versus the athlete in the in the pictures right so you are the after guy your business is beautifully fit and doing really really well you started off obviously in a really wise way what do you think that arc in between how did you create that sort of brand recognition within your space and what is a pretty short time it doesn't feel short <laughs> <laughs> so the problem is a lot of people get into amazon because they want money they want the exit they get enticed by the guru saying, hey, you know, I had a $5 million exit or a million dollar exit. People are like, oh, I want a million dollar exit. And then they think that they're going to launch on Amazon and it's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, we've been doing this for almost four years, right? And that's a lot of work. So building an audience, building a brand is not easy. It takes a lot of work. And we've made a lot of mistakes along the way. But just continuously showing up and continuously putting the effort to connect with the audience. And the way you do that is you have to understand your person. You have to understand that you're serving a person, not just building a product. Because nobody nobody buys your product because they want the actual thing. They want the benefit of it. And how do you actually understand what that person wants to benefit if you just focus on the product itself? And yes, some people have done very well just playing the Amazon game. And, you know, they do data mining and they figure out what products are hot selling and then they try and get to market and have some sort of differentiation based on reviews and they just have a huge plethora of SKUs. And, but to me, that's exhausting. Like there's no, there's no enjoyment in that. It's purely about the numbers. It's purely about launching and all your excitement and self-worth is based on numbers going up. When you have a brand that serves a person, your excitement gets to become around that person and helping them in their journey and truly understanding what, brand building in business is about, which is helping someone achieve their goals. So that allows you to think much longer term because A, you're able to understand the full journey of that person and everything that they're going to need and then what they don't need as well. So you don't launch a bunch of crap that they don't want. And then B, you get more enjoyment out of it, which allows you to think long term and act long term. And if you don't see, you know, 20 cent emails, it don't, you don't care. He's like, hey, yeah, I paid $2 for this email, but the guy emailed me back when I sent an email. And told me his whole his whole story about you know why he loves this. I'd rather have that two dollar email that truly cares about my brand than the twenty cent one, who just puts me in the spam folder and reports me to Google. You know. Yeah, I hear you on that a lot. I think really in my experience of of the really successful people who built from like seven figures, say three eight years ago, and I started working with one brand where they were sort of you know early seven figures, and they've now gone to eight figures. And it struck me they really enjoyed the game. I mean, on the one hand, this happens to be one of these people who is into 
fast cars and it's sort of a little bit of one of those cliches of the sort of bro culture people that appears on a, a youtube ad with with a ferrari or whatever and it's you know the externals of that don't look good but i just know he absolutely loves cars and when you're with him he enjoys life he enjoys being able to pay for dinner for everyone and have lots of wine and you know probably not a crossfeet kind of kind of person but but also enjoys the game like you know it's a bit you'd be a bit insane if all you wanted to do was lose a few pounds to get really into crossfit right that would be an insane mismatch <laughs> i think that intensity of the game is, is what attracts people who like playing i don't know crossfit or american football or football as you would call it or any very intense activity you know as a way of earning money american football is probably medically inadvisable but if you love the game you love the game right and i, I really like the fact that i see this pattern again and again and you're a classic example that it that sort of means that you're not uh, the other thing you said is that your self-worth based on the numbers going up i mean the numbers aren't always going to go up right i mean tell me about your your more sort of challenging times and how you think you got through those because they're never fun but they've happened to us all in the last sort of while and they're going to happen again what what's your sort of way of dealing with when the numbers don't look so good for your business yeah i mean it's a roller coaster right right so march 16th the summer of the day last year in 2020 2020 covid hit our sales got cut in half from Sunday to Monday, I think Monday was the 16th. And it literally just got cut in half. And it was like, the next day, it was still half. The next day, it was still half. So there was a lot of pucker moments, I like to call them, where you're just like, oh, crap. Like, even though we were still up year over year from the previous year, even with half of our sales, it feels terrible. And you freak out. It's just natural. Like, you can't not be worried. You can't just say, oh, everything's fine. Like, there's always that that fear, but it's what you do with it that matters. And you know what we did was, I got together with my teammates. We discussed it out. We talked it out. We said, okay, well, why is this happening? Is this temporary? Are we can get through this? And we realized, yeah, I mean, we're going to lockdowns. This is not going to last forever. It's going to come back. So you just keep driving through. And persistence is, is just so important in business. And then June hit, and we had a inventory order get delayed 30 days longer than expected delivery date. So we ran out of stock and our sales got destroyed again. And then July, it was like, we're still not recovered because the inventory was just getting back in and trying to get back up and running. And it wasn't until August that things started cranking again. But then starting in August, it went through the moon. You know, so it's just, it's challenging. It's an emotional train ride. But if you're in it for the right reasons, if you're in it because you truly enjoy what you do, you get up every day and you're excited about it and you you're excited to be around the people that you serve and you talk to your customers and you get that feedback of how it's helping them. And you show up at the events and you see them in person, you know, so you have that externality of excitement as opposed to just being obsessed with the numbers or the business. And when we get excited about numbers too, like prime day, we crushed it. Like our best sales days ever was this year's prime day, you know, and we did 45 grand in two days, which was like, wow, that's cool. It's exciting. But at the end of the day, that's not like what's driving our excitement. It's just an exciting to see the numbers and we'll normalize that and then it won't be exciting anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you normalize whatever you get to, don't you? It's very interesting because what you said implies that. I mean, like your year on, year on year figures were up in March 2020, but because the sales got cut in half overnight, you'd normalize the new sales and therefore you experienced a 50% loss of sales rather than a year on year gain of whatever percentage it was, right? So, it's, um, and that's just human, but it's interesting to reflect on how, you know, w- what minds 
tricks our mind plays on us it's only human but to kind of try and see through that is is uh, interesting and talking it out with the team i think is is you know is great and if you don't have a team i guess that's for the solopreneurs that's when it's much harder i think that's when having a really good collection of friends and a mastermind of some kind whether formal or informal can can really be a, a bacon saver as as or say save your bacon but yeah and also i guess what i'm getting from both the reason to create the brand one of the reasons for the success and the reason you can survive the tough times all seems to come back to the same thing which is having a purpose beyond just money which is i like a lot i mean i I think um i've never seen anyone succeed in this game who is just purely numbers driven i mean don't get me wrong i know some people are more numbers driven than others and sell pretty rubbish products to be honest not many people that i know but one or two but they kind of love the game still they just did it for for me not great reasons but the other people are pretty obsessed with their products actually helping people so there's a very major hint now just just standing back a bit from the whole amazon amazon thing you mentioned obviously you've got somewhere where you're capturing email um lists which i i agree is incredibly powerful done the right way and you've pointed out beautifully some of the traps so thank you for that very much but tell me about the direct to consumer side is it actually a significant part of your revenue if not do you think that matters how does that play alongside the amazon thing yeah um so our goal is not to pull away from Amazon. We don't want to like become a, a Shopify brand. With that said, Shopify is where we want us, our brand to have the best experience for our loyal customers. So we do, I mean, the problem is our Amazon revenue is growing so fast. So it used to be like 10%. Now it's probably like 8% of our, our sales through, through, through Shopify. But that allows us to build our audience to create the best experience for them. Amazon, what I don't like about Amazon is you can't create a great experience for your brand because you're so limited as to what you can do. You can't send follow-up emails. I mean, we used to have follow-up emails that were excellent. I mean, they didn't even ask for reviews or anything. It just purely gives about how best to use product and everything. And then Amazon blocked us from doing that because they didn't like that we were sending. Actually, they never explained what the specific reason. Like, there was no review manipulation. There's no review asked, nothing in there, but they stopped that now. Versus someone buys on our, our website, you know, you get four emails just about the product and it's all about how best to use the products and how, how to integrate into your workouts. And then they go into our, our, you know, our drip campaigns, which is written by my business partner. And it's truly nothing but give. It's truly about how to help them in the journey and the mentality of things. And a lot of it's not even using our gear. It's not even using our product in those emails. You know, it's just tapping into his experience and his expertise and, and kind of everything that he's learned yeah by the way I, I can't stress enough how great that is to have a genuine expert as part of the team i, I just think it's so smart i think your imposter syndrome thinking was was not wrong in the sense not imposter is too strong a word but but there's a lot of people out there sending very mediocre content out and the reason is simple because they don't know any more than the customer who's, who's consuming it right why would they but you can't really beat a you know a medical medically trained doctor like there, there is no arguing with that and, and that, i just love that really love that Well, folks, that was Jason Franciosa, and I hope you're as impressed as I am with the insights that Jason's brought. Really, this is a man on a mission, and that's a phrase that people often use, but I really do feel that this is the vibe that I'm getting from Jason, and really that's the message I'm going to take away from it and that I'd love you to take away, and it's up to you what you take away from the interviews. But I think it's pretty clear that being obsessed with really serving a person and actually being excited to get out of bed in the morning, not, as Jason put it, to make more money, although obviously that has its excitement as well, but to serve people with more exciting products that do a better job of helping them achieve their goals and having a sort of bigger mission that your business is part of. 
strikes me as the main message that I'm taking from this. There are many other messages uh, you could take from this as well. I think the origin of the brand, that the uh, fact that it's not easy starting a business and that not every business you start is going to be successful. Having an expert in the business who's part and parcel of it, who's genuinely got a solid background and knows better than the consumers who are, let's not forget, if we're talking about CrossFitters or similar people, that they are pretty obsessive people. So you're not talking about uh, an average Joe here and the importance of building a, a loyal fan base and audience. So if you've enjoyed this, I would urge you to listen to the second half of this interview. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show because we'll be going after finding, I'm always beating the bushes these days to find amazing seller stories, to find great experts. And also I'm going to be pulling together some of the experiences that I've had with looking at the inside track of some seven and eight figure businesses I've worked with to really reflect on how to be a, a great e-commerce seller and entrepreneur and also to enjoy the process. And I think that's one thing, you know, that Jason's a man on a mission. That's always more enjoyable and meaningful way of living than just making it about the numbers. So stay tuned. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and happy hunting. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.